Welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. I'm Jay Late Night Larson. And I'm Lyndon Chalky Cabellion. In each episode, we will be talking to different surfers and surf shops to learn more about them and their passion for surfing. We will be diving deep into their experiences as well as their involvement and contributions to their local communities. Be sure to check out our website and Instagram feed for updates on future shows. Thank you for your support and we look forward to sharing these great stories with you. There is a saying that you don't stop playing when you grow old, but rather you grow old when you stop playing. Iconic Life is an adventure-driven company that seeks to embrace life to the fullest and to never stop playing. Check out their natural hemp CBD products that help those that believe in that philosophy. Check out Iconic.com. Spelled I-K-A-N-I-K. Again, Iconic.com. Or on their Instagram at Iconic Life. Bonsai balls! They only use real Asahi, not like all those other imitators using sorbet full of sugar. Yuck! They also get their honey from a and bee pollen from a bee farm. Healthy and delicious. No processed honey. What also makes them amazing is that they roast and make their own peanut butter. Damn! They've got seven locations and download the Bonsai Bowl app to skip the line. Skip the line. Order ahead. Bonsai Bowl. Healthy, delicious. Ashland. Hard seltzer. Crafted in San Diego. It's an adult beverage built for all walks of life. Bro, you've had it. I've had it. It's delicious. It is so good. It's refreshing. Only 100 calories. All organic. No sugar. Also gluten-free with 0.0 carbs. Hashtag enjoy cold Ashland hard seltzer. Also supported by Octopus, the massive corporate juggernaut. Octopus, making stuff for people who actually surf. Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. We're in take two. Episode two. Episode two. The Don Pablo. With Don Pablo Ramsey. Yeah. Saga continues. Yes. But first, let's do a recap of episode one. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Don pa- okay, let, we'll, we'll do the recap. Don yeah, Pablo okay. Go ahead. Yeah. was born in was born Manhattan in, Beach. Born in L.A., lived in Manhattan Beach, moved to Huntington Beach. Moved to Huntington, started surfing, told us that Warner used to go off. I can't oh, yeah. believe it. Warner's one of the hot spots around. Yeah. Started surfing quite a bit, you and your older brother. Yeah. And you started drugs at a little early age yeah. Got, got high at 15, 15 on the gateway drug. Yeah. That that was norm, though. Used to hitchhike. Yeah. Not me, man. Used to hitchhike <laughs> uh, to Tijuana with Steve Bennington. Yeah, right? H- yeah. yeah, right out of high school. Right, right out of high I, school. And hi- hitchhiking no longer 
happens, but man, what a glorious uh, way to travel back in the day, right? I mean, yeah. whether I don't think it was safe, but it was way more acceptable <laughs> and open. And, and, and so everybody used to hitchhike. I mean, it was you know the hitchhikers. You know what would be weird? There'd be four or five hitchhikers on the same corner. Yeah, and you you know whoever looked coolest yeah. would be the guy that get picked but up. But if first, you had a surfboard, you know, whoever had the yeah, bigger arms or, or the, the nicer butt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of course, the chicks would get picked up first for sure. But yeah, I never had a problem getting a ride hitchhiking. Well, hitchhiking you had long hair, and you always fooled everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, I, I would I would get a I'd take the bus down the lowers almost every day in the summer out catch it at the pier get down there and then I would hitch you know I'd see somebody in the water from Huntington Newport Seal or somewhere uh-huh. yeah and back then no seat belts you just most guys have pickup trucks or shell yeah. or not you're like, in the back yeah, you're bored get, in the back just get in the back yeah. yeah you know not a big deal so so yeah you 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 started surfing you took a couple uh surf trips down to mexico yeah san blas met some some cool people yeah you saw that picture i i sent you oh yeah i posted that thing yeah i was sharing yakimo yeah yeah and uh you told us that funny story about that guy getting bit by the lip. And oh, yeah, then, he got bit. And then he stumbled the on, <laughs> on LSD yeah. at the U.S. No, Open. It, it wasn't that. That was. That, no, July I was on, 4th. Oh, July 4th. Sorry, I was I on that. cannabinol, which is just really a high dose of marijuana. Oh. Is, is, is what it was when I tripped over the guy from Manhattan Beach and I looked <laughs> up and that's all I saw was a fat lip. But, yeah. And then you uh, started telling us about. Uh, boot camp, yeah, and in the army, and just army. all the different stuff that I went through in the army, just yeah. different guys and Going things to Texas, that happened. Almost, yeah. almost dying in a car accident in 120 miles an hour on Blood Alley, PCH. Yeah, 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 that happened with Mark McFarlane. And then he, we ended the story with Don Pablo, yeah, well, meeting I met Pablo, Pablo Escobar here. here <laughs> you here, like I'm, saying I'm, that, I'm, don't you? I love. <laughs> Pablo. Pablo Escobar. You, he was trying to say Pueb- Pablo and Pueblo. 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 Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing about it is, is, you know, no one knew at that time, at least when I met him, and I, like I said, it wasn't like I was his friend. I just had the opportunity to meet him one afternoon yeah. at up in Mark's uh, condo where they were dealing out of. Now, was Mark, and, who's, who was married to his daughter? Or uh, Mark's partner, a guy by the name of Mike Ting, Mark Ting, T-I-N-G, who he lived down in San Clemente, his wife was Pablo Escobar's niece. Crazy. And they were connected, you know, that's how they were getting large amounts of, of cocaine the family. brought into Southern California, and they were, you know, giving it out to different yeah. uh, groups okay. of so drug So you can have dealers. my blessing marrying my niece, but... A lot of, a lot of, yeah. a lot of stuff goes with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so Great responsibility. Yeah, um, it was uh, so, and this is uh, like I'm not bragging. It's just one of the things that happened when I, um, I can't remember. I was 32 or something like this, and I had gotten away from dealing uh, drugs, but um, I was still using them. And it was my birthday. I think I was 32, so this probably happened in 1984. And Mark called me over to, no, it, it couldn't have been because they got busted in 83. So I must have, in my birthday in 83, so I was 31. He, he says, come on over, I'll give you a, a, a birthday present. And I had the front row center tickets to go see the Pretenders up in wow, up in wow. L.A. at the Olympic Auditorium. And I was.
Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. I was with my brother Jim, who I'm in the band with, and I go, well, let's let's stop over at Mark's. He's, he's got a little something for us. So I go up to the and You know condo, exactly what it was. Yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> And he says, uh, yeah, go and go to the room and break off a piece. So I walk into this spare bedroom and stacked up against the wall are these, um, uh, you know, plastic milk crates. Yeah. And they're like about, you know, six feet high stacked up against the wall. And, and in them is probably each has about, I don't know, five kilos of, uh, oh. of Coke. You know, just like they look like big, huge eggs wrapped in plastic. And one of them was broken open, and I assume that was the one he wanted me to break off a piece. So I broke off a big old chunk of it, and I remember I brought it out, and he goes, here's a bag. He gave me a bag, and I put it, and he goes, have a nice concert, and I drove off with my brother. <laughs> and we got so loaded uh, at that concert. I mean, I can, I'm in the front row, and uh, Chrissy Hines or whoever the girl is yeah, in the front row. Yeah. Uh, singing, I here I got my glasses on, you know, long hair and all that stuff. And I know she's thinking, wow, who's this dude in the middle? You know, That's so crazy. He won't, won't uh, take his glasses off during so, the concert. But so you and your brother already had started your business then, right? Oh yeah, this is, yeah. My brother Mike and I had had said already started the business, and we were doing really well. We were, I was making. And a that lot was already after the 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 contract with Saudi Arabia. Oh yeah, that that contract. Well, Saudi Arabia signed the contract with one of our vendors right and and we supplied the to tires vendor. to that vendor who yeah. was manufacturing center pivot ir irrigation systems but that's what kind of brought us from just picking up car tires behind gas stations into the full-blown went out and bought four trucks and started picking them up huh practically overnight yeah. literally because i remember so you were fast. saying it, it was like a couple years before that happened but you're a successful entrepreneur. Oh, yeah. I went out and bought a house. Quickly. And, you know, I bought a pretty nice house. I still live in the same house uh, this uh, July 4th. It'll be 40 years in my home. And That's it's, crazy. I am very lucky to have my home. It's worth a lot of money. Yeah. Paid for. And I'm just stoked that I didn't lose that. Because I could, I'm almost, a couple times, almost lost yeah. everything because of some trouble. So, that I got not in. to go 
too deep into you know the the dealing, but. Mm-hmm. So you and that guy Mark, right? You, mm-hmm. you guys were chums. Did he surf too, or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark surfed a little bit. He wasn't really a hardcore surfer, but you know, he he rode a longboard and liked to surf. Nowadays, he lives at Zippers. That's that's one of the houses he owns, and he surfs Zippers down in Baja. Okay. And uh, so so Cabo. Zippers. Yeah, in Cabo. Yeah. yeah. He was he was dealing. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. And you were partying with them, and and you knew he was a dealer, and then he got you. To help him, that like you were helping well, dealer. Yeah, you know, I mean, networking. I was just one of his because I knew so many people. Yeah, you know networking. what I mean? I'm local yeah. from here, and uh, it's like the it Ponzi was just scheme. just like, just another outlet for him to because yeah. he'd front me a half a pound or a kilo or whatever, and then I would break it up and sell it in a quarter pounds or whatever, and, and then. It make, started make off with just uh, weed first, right? Colombian gold, you were saying? Yeah, yeah. He was the first guy that I knew that actually bought real gold Colombian into Huntington Beach, where it, like it, it was the color of a banana, and it, it, and it had its own certain smell and all that. And, and but you know, as marijuana b- progressed, you didn't really have those all those different types. Once once indica and all this other pot was being grown up north or wherever the hell it came from that's what most of the pot end up looking like because i remember sort of what happened to all that you know the banana that we used to call it banana it was this gold columbian when i lived at metal Ark airport was it was it like strong I mean, oh yeah but it was it had this really unique taste it was really uh, yeah. flavorful you know because yeah. most people would say like oh i got you know mexican dirt you know like you're down there and dirt it's, weed dirt weed you dirt know weed. And, commerce I mean, like, yeah but I mean, everybody's you know says from like back in your day to like what is now. If you go to the dispensary, it's like oh yeah, you know the 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 THC level is you know yeah. there's some that are I yeah mean, that's don't, that's don't go cuckoo. That's, that's why I quit. My wife and I were in Kauai in uh, in the, in the year 2000, and we were on a vacation. And we were at Kiyoki's, which is uh, one of the first restaurant that TS, the companies that, yeah. that, that owns Dukes, yeah. one of their first restaurants was a restaurant in Poipu called Kiyoki's. And a couple of good friends of mine, these two brothers, they hung out there and we were there visiting them uh, before we went off to our con- condo and they gave us a half a joint. And they said, here, try this. And my wife and I smoked that half a joint and we we got so high on it, we couldn't drive the car. I mean, <laughs> neither of us could even think. We were like, oh my God, you know, what, 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 in this what stuff? was it? And, uh, and like I said, that was 21 years ago, and I have never smoked pot since. That was really? 20, that yeah, changed it just, your it just perspective? Said, I, yeah, I, 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 I can't do this it's anymore. It's funny, when, <laughs> when you talk about Colombian gold, I, I think about all the old, like, T-shirts back in the day. Uh-huh. Yeah. When they, they was like Maui Waui. Yes, Acapulco uh, Gold. Acapulco Gold, yeah. Colombian Gold. Like, yes. There was a bunch of different... It was actually From gold. the area. Yeah. And it, from those, like, regions, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was just a, I don't know. I, Indica and, yeah. and uh, that whole era though of that those specialized types of marijuana didn't last very long because once once it became commercially possible to grow large amounts of it, you you, you no longer had those little defined pockets. Right. E- even tie sticks. I mean they. They didn't last very long either. Yeah, that's another one that was yeah. like a popular thing I, I yeah. used to hear back in the day. Tie sticks. Yeah, tie sticks. Sure, you heard about it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sure. Ah, uh-huh. uh, yeah. I've heard about that one. But uh, so tell us, uh, you know, 
the transition into cocaine, like when you okay. first... Uh, you know, that whole thing started uh, actually when I was in the military. My last year in the Army, my last eight months, because of the job I had, um, they didn't let me out of the Army. Usually when you came back from overseas, you had time left, they'd let you go because you were in a, uh, in a you know, conflict. And um, I'm talking about the Vietnam War. But I had my specialized, I had a specialized job. I was a medic. And they sent me to work in another hospital in uh, Fort Huachuca, Arizona. And I worked in there until I finally got out. But when I started coming home on leave, my brother lived over off of 4th and South Pacific Coast Highway in Sunset Beach. People were doing blow, you know. And this was probably, this was in 73, 74. Damn, and, like way, way back. Yeah, and I got introduced to it and I, I liked it. And then uh, when I got out, I, you know, I... I went on unemployment and I was growing weed. I I, I built a, a greenhouse in my backyard where I lived at Meadowlark Airport. Yeah, you know they I got turned in and Carl Vidano arrested me, and um, and uh, <laughs> who arrested you? Well, so Carl Vidano was the head of drug enforcement for the Huntington Beach Police Department at the time. DEA. Yeah, or yeah. Well, no, he it's was he was than DA, he, he was Huntington well, Beach Police, but his whole job was. Drug enforcement, you know, it had everything to do with pot sales, possession of pot, and other, you know, psychedelics and yeah. stuff like that. And um, so, you know, as when we finished last time, I didn't really get into uh, how how kind of it all went down. I yeah. don't believe how I explained how what. What happened? You saw them outdoors. You knew they were coming in, right? They're oh yeah, when I got popped the time when yeah. they, um, I got arrested for cultivation. Sure. Because not to glamorize this at all, and it's like just it's a history. Of, it's history. Of, yeah. But I mean, I'm just talking about the cocaine back then. Like it was so much better and pure, right? Because they didn't. You know, I'm sure the stuff that you guys were doing were. So was like way more pure, yeah, it, way more healthy for yeah, lack of a better there word. Was, <laughs> there was, there was less guys cocaine in the same sense. I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I bet you guys were like on a better high. You know, it, it was more pure because there was less guys cutting into uh, cutting it. it. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah. If adding, uh, yeah, when flowers. I would get it, you could so you could go the good old days. <laughs> yeah, you could go to a pharmacy and buy manit and. Uh, it's a manit is a is a laxative for uh, for, <laughs> for small uh, for for kids, and so they would. And that's uh, what they would cut it with. Yeah, you would cut it with manit, and um, and then you know you take like a a quarter pound and you'd put like a, a six or eight ounces of manit in it, and so it would make it give you more. So you and then you could sell it. And it was still good anyway, yeah. but there were times when oh you know what I you're talking about. I would Dumb see. Yeah, there, there were times I would see some coke, and you you, you could tell that it had been cut, cut three yeah. and four times. Yeah. You know, they would put. I can't remember some of the other ingredients that people. I just remember the word manit for whatever huh. reason. But um, moving forward with all that, when I, um, um, you know, I I had met my wife, and I was in a, a band then called Ricky O, and um, my brother had gotten married, and his maid of honor was um uh you know his, her maid of yeah her maid of honor yeah yeah okay. the the lady my brother married her maid of honor was was my wife although we weren't oh. married yet they were best friends and i met her at my brother's wedding 
and she was pretty hot, you know, and I always kind of had, you know, I had the hots for her always. And, <laughs> so um, you knew her prior to. Yeah, I yeah, knew her. And then, a, and then a couple years after uh, they were married and everything, it kind of all fell into place. And um, I was already living in my home, driving a Porsche, and I was, I was doing really good. And, um, and I, we started dating, and I, you know, asked, asked her to marry me. And at that time, I knew if I was going to make my... Uh, 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 marriage successful, I would have to get away from dealing drugs because it was either one or the well, other. Man, I didn't need the money. Uh, so I didn't so need the money. before you quit, uh-huh. and you were selling weed first, yeah. and then cocaine started happening. Yeah. Like, you were just selling it to friends, right? Yeah, friends, and there would now, be other people. Now, were you cutting people. into it? Too, like uh, sometimes it really depended. You know, if I it, like, let's say if if I had a half a pound of it, yeah, I would put I would put an, an ounce of man, manit in it. Yeah, because you, you know, would you would try to cut some. Yeah, I would stuff get some, so I got my own stash. Yeah, you know, and stash. then I Hurts I business. would give it to yeah. my friends. You know, all my friends were like, come yeah. on, let's yeah, party, party. Yeah. right? Yeah, but um, um, and and kind of that's just the way and it was. How you long know? did you do that for? How long did I do that for? I probably did that because uh, so after Mark got back, he got kidnapped in Florida by the Cuban whoa, uh, whoa, cartel. Whoa, whoa. Whoa. And uh, what? Yeah, uh, they <laughs> the had, guy that crashed the Porsche. Yeah, yeah. My buddy Mark, he got uh, when I was living at Metal Arc Airport, my last year there, probably in 1977. He went to go to Florida to pick up a load, and this is before Pablo Escobar. Um, and and somehow he got kidnapped by the uh, the Cuban cartel, Cuban dr- drug ring, and you know they wanted to make a statement. They I, I don't know what they were going to do to him, but uh, once his contacts found out that he was tied up in this room with this this gang, the Mark's contacts had the phone number of the room that Mark is in, and that they called the room and they said, hey, look. If you don't let the gringo go, we're going to come there and everybody's gone. We're, we're going we're to kill everybody. Wow. They and, came to his rescue. Yeah, they did. And they let Mark go and they gave him a car. In fact, they they let him go. They gave Ooh. him money and clothes. <laughs> hey, and they gave him a car and, and they let him come back to uh, to Huntington Beach. And he came back here. So, and so, uh, so Mark's attached to the most powerful people. Oh, yeah. Mark is very old. Because you know, he's got this charismatic thing about him. Yeah. And um, I, I don't know if I shared in the car accident how he invented that machine. That uh, he, he's just really smart. Um, what was the machine he invented? I kind of remember. It's, uh, you strap it onto the to your leg after you have knee re- reconstructive surgery, and it moves your knee like real super slow while you're sleeping at night. Continual motion. Yeah, to keep it moving yeah. so that it doesn't hurt and actually heals sooner. And then Curlin and Job, the d- surgeons that rebuilt his knee, he sold them that. Uh, the um, uh, the, yeah, the patent for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. While he was in the hospital, he spent eighty two thousand dollars perfecting it. Then he gave it to them, and they they bought the patent from him. But um, <laughs> I hope it's a royalty. This guy, yeah, this you guy, know, because he has a a drug lord slash inventor. Oh yeah, he's <laughs> Mark's Mark's a smart guy. Let me tell you. Well, it's it, yeah, it sounds it sounds like. Obviously, he, he you know knows he how had to shit together. Knows how to you talk know, his it, way into yeah. and out of situations. Yeah. So, um, how funny is this? Like the guys that had him, you know, the abductors, the kidnappers. Yeah. 
They must have been so Trippin'. fucking scared and tail between their legs. Yeah, when they found out who he was. Yeah, yeah. found out yeah. who he was. It's like, oh, Uh-oh. Hey, sorry, yeah. but here's your car. <laughs> yeah, here's your car. Coke, yeah. And hey, yeah, it's yeah. been a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sorry. <laughs> wow, that's heavy. Yeah, and so, um, so Mark comes back here, and then I fall into the tire business, and I got you know started doing really well, and we stayed connected, and um, and you know, and I was doing coke with him and we were, were, moving we were doing a lot stuff too or i i wasn't one of his big movers he had some guys that were buying you know 10 kilos or 20 kilos at a time i was doing maybe half pounds quarter pounds two pounds yeah. something like that you're probably dealing just so you can get some yeah yourself. yeah 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 Networking. exactly yeah, being the guy. yeah um and so like so so the night uh we crashed his Porsche and I sent you pictures of the Porsche. Oh yeah. yeah. So he bought that car that night, that day from Chick Iverson for thirty six thousand dollars cash and um and he rented the Villanova restaurant. It, I think it was like his twenty eighth birthday or something like that. He rents the restaurant, you know, all the the whole gang is there, all his, you know, people yeah. that he that we deal with and know. And um and we're drinking and using and uh and we decide to split, and I go, let's let's go. And I, because I rode there with him in his car, and uh, we leave the Villanova about eleven o'clock at night, and we're racing this other friend of mine, uh, who actually the guy who introduces me and Mark, they were high school best friends, and we're racing him and his Jaguar down Coast Highway, and as we're leaving Newport Beach, coming towards the Santa Ana River br- bridge, and that there's that little mobile home park, a VW, we see this VW come out. And and they're on the outside lane, so we're we're cool with the inside lane. But when we get over to the top, and prior to that, I see he's doing 120 miles an hour, and I put my seatbelt on. Go, shit, you're doing 120 miles an hour. <laughs> and um, and then when we get to the top of the hill, the Volkswagen switched uh, lanes, and now is in front of us, and we're about ready to hit it. And so Mark goes around it, and back then, like I think I explained, the little uh, orange cereal bowls turned upside down that's what they look like that was the center divider he he goes over the cereal bowls and when he comes back in front it catches the back tire and the and the and the porsche spins and it hits this like sand berm on the you know on the east side of coast highway and it can't pull the car in, in in the air and we landed in the talbert marsh right side up and then mark gets ejected i i it knocked me out just a centrifugal force i was out but Mark got ejected from the car, and he snapped both of his legs backwards, goes up through the windshield, and he hits Fudge. a, yeah, he hits a uh, uh, um, a chain link fence head on. Yeah, George is on the phone, and Holy um, and so his body uh, hit. Yeah, his he body hits it out of the car through yeah, the window, crashed and he the hits window. a chain link fence, and um, it didn't really, you know, it didn't hurt, hurt his head or anything like that. But it snapped both of his legs, and then that's when he hires Curlin and Job to, uh, 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 you know, reconstruct his leg, and he and he built that uh, that uh, the machine. But I I'm going to tell you something. So when so our, our our other friend who's in the Jaguar runs over to the Porsche and said, "Don, we got to get out of here. You you, you know, because we don't know where Mark is. We know that he's probably got something on him. He's illegal. Yeah. We, you know, but cops are going to." We got to get out of here. How so, far do you think he flew from the from the Porsche? 
what I, distance? I really don't know. You're doing 120, I, I and that him. thing flips. I mean, the fact that he's alive. The fact that he's alive. That, that, that is like but unbelievable. It'd, it'd be nice to kind of get a gauge of how yeah. far his fucking body flew from the yeah. car. You know what Dude. I mean? Yeah. Because the so, chain link fence... I mean, I mean, it's totally different now, but dude, yeah, that's well, you know, it gnarly. was it was a fence going around one of those oil pumps. Yeah, and uh, and so anyway, wow. Uh, so so uh, our other buddy Mike grabs me and says, "Let's let's let's get out of." So I jump in his Jaguar and we're and we're hauling ass down Coast Highway, and the cops pull us over over by where the Grinder Restaurant is, where yeah. I need to beat Sheridan right there. Yeah, and they pull us over, and the cop gets me out of the car and goes. And, and he's got the two girls that were in the VW Bug in the backseat of his car. And they're telling the cop, that's the guy that was in the Porsche with the other guy that, that, that crashed. And so I, I get out and I look at the cop. I go, I, I haven't been in that. Do I look like I've been in that? And I'm in shock, dude. I'm like freaking. <laughs> but but you, I talked my way out of it. And the cop finding says, uh, well, well, why did they, the girls they get pulled say, over? They well, saw the whole accident. They the saw truck. the accident and they pulled oh, over they because pulled over. Yeah, okay. they realized that you know someone could have been killed. You know, and uh, the, then the, the cops the cop pulled car. out too, and uh, then they got the back of the car and told the cops, "Hey, one of the other guys that was in the Porsche took off in this Jaguar." And uh, so then they they pull us over, and I was able to talk my way out of it. Anyway, so Mark <laughs> got in a he you know he got a DUI and I got some other things happened to him, but they didn't arrest him for like possession or anything like that and so and and this happened this this accident happened in 1980 i think uh because it was in 81 when i met pablo escobar in 82 i got married and i got away from them um and by that i mean i quit selling and they went on to sell and i what i didn't get to talk to you about in the first part of this uh talk that we're having is what happens is, so Mark Ting, Mark McFarland's partner, goes to the uh, Huntington Harbor Real Estate, and he he buys a plot, of, a vacant lot in Huntington Harbor for four hundred and fifty thousand dollars in cash, and they sell him the the uh, lot and uh, do all the paperwork and everything. And after the deal's done, and he leaves. They call the Huntington Beach Police. They call Vidano. Call Vidano gets on the case. And they tell him, hey, we just had a young uh, businessman in it come in with a suitcase, briefcase with $250,000 in it. He just bought this lot. But why would they Something's care? Up. Well, because there was a, you know, there was a, a large problem in in Orange County because of drugs yeah. and, and sales. Of and they didn't want that neighborhood yeah. to go down. Yeah, and, and, and it was very suspicious. Yeah. Okay? yeah, oh, for sure. I bet you they called the cops and says, hey. The dude gave him two hundred fifty. He goes, "Hey, I just got a hundred and twenty-five grand." Yeah, <laughs> kept the yeah. hundred. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think they did that. <laughs> That's but, what I would have done. Oh, so they, so <laughs> they told the police, and then two weeks later, the Huntington Beach Police Department pulls over a car on uh, Coast Highway by Balsa Chica State yeah. Beach. They pulled over. It's got a broken tail light, and it's like eleven o'clock on a weeknight or whatever. And they find a bag of weed in the car. There's no ID in the driver. There's no registration for the car, and it's got a broken tail light. And they confiscate the car. They arrest the guy for possession, and then they they get a court order to tap his phone and uh, search the car. 
So they actually cert bring the car two doors down from where the tire yard is because the tire yard now where I work is um, still there two doors down from Mandic Motors. And ironically, they brought it there, got the corridor. And when they open it up, there's 19 kilos of Coke in the trunk Holy of the car. Holy so, Yeah. So now the Huntington Beach police have these two things. They have the... Um, uh, 19 kilos. 19 kilos. And then they have the kid buying a lot for $250,000. So Vidano, the uh, drug enforcement, Huntington Beach Police, they call the DEA and the FBI. And they decide to come down What's, here and what start What was street checking value out. of a kilo back then? You know, that's a good question. I guess we could figure it out. An ounces were going for anywhere from 1500 to 2000 an ounce. There's uh, 16 ounces a in a pound, so now you're talking 32, you know, I mean, it was a lot of money. Yeah, 32 and a yeah, kilo is 2.2 pounds, so yeah. now you're uh, doubling it. Yeah, yeah, it's almost 75K probably. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that was 19 of them? Yeah, 19 <laughs> kilos that they found in that car. Anyway. Oh, Pablo's. Yeah. <laughs> Pablo. <laughs> Pablo. Yeah. Pablo's twist. Yeah. Well, the whole thing about it is. So, so this is just the beginning of where Pablo Escobar starts to branch out from not just being heavy sales in marijuana. He gets into the cocaine industry and starts selling it in Miami Beach and stuff like that. I don't think he he decided, well, I'm going to start selling Huntington Beach. It wasn't till he, you know he had close contact with his niece, and there was a market in in Orange County. And I don't, I mean, I never really found out why. I've never really asked Mark. I've only talked to him. I talked to him a lot in the last few months, but we never really discussed why Pablo Escobar was, was here. And I assume that he's just checking on the possibility. What, what is the potential for large cocaine sales in Orange County or <laughs> Southern California? Yeah. Anyway, so um, uh, they... They find out about all this. I'm talking about the Huntington Beach Police, and they tap all these phones. And now I'm already married. I'm not dealing any more coke with Mark. I don't even know any of this is going on until um, I hear about it from one of our friends that another one of Mark's partners gets busted with some coke and down in uh, South County, and um, and he and he starts snitching on people, Ooh. and so. Now, that's when I said, I talked to my buddy Mike, the guy who was driving the Jaguar a couple years later. I'm going, dude, I'm glad I, you know, I got away from it. But in one night, so, so, so what they did was... Stitches <clears throat> get stitches. They, this is how they were, how they were selling it. They, they rented a condo at the end of Heil and Saybrook right there in Huntington Harbor and the condominiums there. And what they do, they would go buy a used car in Santa Ana bring the car and park it right next to the tennis courts at, at uh, Huntington Harbor, fill it with a load of whatever is being bought, let's say 20 kilos. They put the Coke in there, they hide the key underneath the bumper, and then uh, a, a driver would come and pick up the load, and then the money would be exchanged in a whole different uh, setting. Yeah. They, they they would never do both in the same place. Yeah. And um, and uh, That's so the, the DEA and the FBI you know, after tapping the phones, found out exactly where they were dealing it all from. And then they rented another condo. The The FBI and DEA rented a condo, three or four condos down, and watched them for six months. And over a six-month period, now down I into 1983, 
they they uh, in one night there was a big sting operation. They ran they arrested like 22 people, some from Costa Mesa, some from Huntington Beach, Newport Beach, and San Clemente, and that whole ring got popped in one night. And uh, you got out just in time. Oh yeah, I was like I said, real lucky. I got away from them because who knows. So so anyway, long story short, they go to court. Mark hires an attorney, and um, he gets out on appeal. But while he's in Orange County men's jail waiting to get on appeal, the Orange County sheriff put a snitch in his in his uh, cell, and that guy befriends Marks and thinks he convinces Mark that his brother de deals coke. And when Mark gets out on his appeal, could he reach out to his brother and sell him some coke? Mark says fine. And uh, at this point, he's Mark's looking at 25 years at the federal correctional. They all got 25 years for interstate trafficking of a controlled substance. And um, so, but Mark got out on appeal. And, um, and, and while he's out, he takes a kilo. He drives down to where the spectrum is down there in Irvine, where the five and the 405 meet. Back then, it was all strawberry fields and that. Yeah. And he meets the guy down a dirt road, and the, the, he goes to sell him the, the snitch. Yeah, he goes. Yeah, oh. yeah, the snitch's brother. He goes to sell him the kilo, and it's a DEA agent, undercover oh, DEA agent. Fuck. So they take Mark back to Judge Real, this judge at uh, West at West Court here in Westminster, and he doubles Mark's sentence to 50 years. And Mark gets 50 years at the federal correctional. So while Mark is, and so this is where Mark, I, I told you that I spoke at the Sunset Beach Women's Club. Mark lived on the Sunset Island. And uh, so if you go over the bridge where Captain Jack's is, and you go to the second street, and you make a left, you go all the way to the end. Mark lived in that corner house. It's a big two-story home. Yeah, well, it's actually Sunset Island. Okay. And uh, in that house was all original Salvador. Do he loved Salvador Dali, and the whole Real house. Salvador Dali. All original. Every single he had. I don't know how many, but it was all original Salvador Dali art. Mark yeah. doesn't know art. But yeah. Salvador he, Dali. Yeah. Is. Like yeah. Van Gogh. Yeah, exactly. Like. Very, a lot of money. Right? <laughs> and he has two Lennon, cigarette Lennon wishes he could have yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. He has two cigarette boats. One, and you know what a cigarette yeah. boat is? He's Lennon does big, a boat. He doesn't know what big, I know what uh, cigarette boats are. With, with big uh, uh, Rolls Royce engine. And he's got one here on this corner and one here on this corner because he's got two, because he lives on a corner overlooking the harbor. And nah, they confiscated the boats. Low. No. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, he was kind of, dude, two, two, two Porsches and that. Uh, Garage. He had a warehouse in Costa Mesa with about twenty race cars in it. Wow! And um, and of course they confiscate all that. So Mark goes to the federal correctional, and while he's there, I get his uh, his address and I send him Christmas cards and just stuff like that, just to stay in touch with him. And while he's in there, he figures out a way to generate revenue by getting government bids. Where the government, the federal government, is selling all this old computer so what, wait, hardware. What, what, yeah. So what happened to all that stuff? Confiscated and they took it all. Took it all and like. Took it all. I never saw any of it ever again. So they just fucking don't the, the don't government the, took don't it all the, of it. the the cartel say like you got to lay low. <laughs> they this is a, this, this is a huge investment on their behalf. They and probably they, they, weren't. They yeah. weren't smart enough back then. Uh, yeah, well, there wasn't the social media and things that yeah. are going on today. You yeah. wouldn't. You're definitely not a high profile doing that out in the open like he was. Yeah. But. Um, and it was so, in the infancy of that, you know, like seventies, eighties, like. Yeah. That was when 
the drug thing was starting to blow up. And, yeah. And it was like not well, very it, many players in the game yet. Yeah. No. It had already blown up, but not blown up worldwide. Right. Like it had right. eventually blown up. Anyway. So you were sending, sending them like Christmas cards. Yeah, sending Christmas cards and writing them little letters and stuff. And, um, and, uh, He's got a side gig going on in there. And, oh, he's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so what he starts doing is, so so he's got all this money hidden here somewhere. He had it buried somewhere. And it has his mother and his brother come to Orange County, get the money, and Mark gets these, like, what statements. Jail, what, what penitentiary was he at? Federal Correctional, Terminal Island, right here in, down in... Uh, San Pedro? Yeah, San Pedro. Okay. And, um, and, and while he's... He, He's in there. He finds ways to buy uh, government uh, computer hardware that they're selling pretty much on ten cents on a dollar, and so he his he gets his mom and his brother to start buying it all, and he starts shipping the computer software and or not software hardware down to South America, and he he makes like he's making money hand over fist selling government computer hardware. So he takes the money and he saves the all the money, and um, he rents a uh, he hires a, um, a international immigration attorney, and the attorney gets him out. But what I want to I want to I want to back up a little bit while he's in prison. So I start playing co uh, co hockey at Coast to Coast Inline Hockey Center. Yeah, and one of the guys uh, is. His, uh, his name is Mike Stanford. It turns out he is one of the guards at the prison, and he knows Mark McFarland. And when I find out he's a guard at the prison, I go, hey, so do you know Mark McFarland? He goes, you know Mark McFarland? I go, yeah, he's one of my best friends. He goes, well, he's the most popular guy at uh, he just knows the Federal Credit he's, he's just so charismatic yeah. and real good looking. He just is really... Good, good dude. You know. Hey, when you and, look at uh, me, you look at Mark. Yeah, God, yes, about? exactly. <laughs> but um, there was someone else that knew him too. I, I got to remember what it was. So but, he, he was making a name for himself in prison, making yeah. money. So, yeah. So is he like studying how to get the fuck out of there too? Like making yeah. money and how to get out? No, he, yeah. He, yeah. He's like, I'm so, not here for 50. Yeah. I'm yeah. out of here. Yeah. So anyway. 50 years? I laugh at 50 so, years. I'm going to tell you something. When... When uh, when my wife and me get married and we come home, we go to Hawaii for two weeks and we come back home, uh, Mark and his girlfriend, Jeanette, come to our house for, 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 for dinner. And my wife is thanking his girlfriend for buying us this Lennox, uh, like, nice bowl, you know, yeah. some kind of thing. A crystal bowl. And, yeah. And Mark looks at, at his girlfriend and says, this is what you bought my friend for his wedding? She goes, yeah. And he goes, he looks at me and goes, I'm sorry. He takes a five-carat diamond ring off his finger and he puts it. He goes, here, take this. And he gives me the five-carat diamond ring. Dang. Yeah. We still have the five-carat diamond ring. My wife had it resized and she wears it. But oh. he was just this kind of guy who was, you know, I, I, I think he always felt like, he he damn near killed me in that car accident oh, at that yeah, time yeah, yeah. and he always felt like you know uh repay you yeah for... just so, so go back to him being in jail yeah. making money's fucking selling computers yes. and then what did he how did he get out okay so he hires an a well-known international immigration attorney mark is a canadian citizen <laughs> and so 
he hires this attorney and the attorney gets him out and in, so it's a, so Mark goes in in 20 or in 1983 and in the year 2000 he gets out and and so, so Mark he spent some time he spent 17 years behind Dang. bars and um, but he had 50 he had he was looking at 50 years okay. at the federal correctional and um, and so he's out of prison I didn't know that he got out but my wife and me are sitting in my backyard by our pool, laying in the sun, and I live on a corner house, and um, and we hear some, hey, Don, are you there? And I yelled, who's that? And he goes, it's Mark McFarland. And me and my wife go, oh, my God, come, come go to the front door. So we go over to the front door, and it's Mark McFarland. You know, his hair's a little grayer 17 now. Years 17 years later. 17 years later. And he goes, come on out, look at my new car. We walk out, and he's got a Petro Blue whale tail, brand new Porsche, Parked in my drive. Well, it's not brand. It's a couple years old. Parked in my driveway, and I'm going, "Oh my God! You just got out of prison, and he and, and you're driving a, a whale tail Porsche." And he looks at me, and I go, he, he, "You know, he kind of gives me one of those." And so, wow. this is one of those things because I'm glad my wife is there because she's the only one who can back up a story like this. Because there's been times when I've had to. We tell people the stories, and I tell my wife. You you tell him what he was yeah. driving when he pulled up to our house. Yeah. I don't want to be the guy telling him. And then he he, and then we I think we had lunch. He hung out for a little bit. And he goes, you know, I I'm not allowed to live in in uh, United States anymore. I'm being I'm extradited or I I'm no longer allowed yeah. to live here. But he wanted to come by and say hello. And then so I'll have to move the story forward. And this is just about Mark because I want to continue on in my surf yeah. life. If yeah. that's okay, yeah. um, of course. The show's not um, about Mark McFarland. Yeah, yeah, but a big part of your yeah, life. It is. Holy shnikes. So, um, that guy can, he calls he can me, make a book, but that fucker can have a book Oh, yeah, too. oh, yeah. He calls me on, on this phone app called WhatsApp. Yeah. And, um, Look at you all up to date. Yeah. Oh, yeah. technique. Yeah, yeah, he calls me, and we just started talking, and we are laughing. And, and this is just, this is probably six months ago. And, um, and... So, and now well, he's he's sober. He went to jail. Yeah, two thousand. He gets out. Okay. Okay. And so this is what he did. In the year two thousand, the Canadian government started allowing Canadian citizens to grow marijuana indoor. Yeah. So he goes to, to back to Canada in two thousand and starts a mail order hydroponic farming equipment company, and sells and he becomes a multimillionaire over that. This dude and, is fucking and, uh, ridiculous. Oh yeah. And so he lives in a big house in Whistler, and um, and I hear from some of his friends that are my friends. You know, he's doing well, he's doing awesome, and all this stuff. And my buddy, the, the same guy that drove the Jaguar, who kind of lives by his name, is Mike Manette. He uh, says, "Hey, Mark is on this thing called WhatsApp. He wants you to call him." So he gives me the number. I call Mark, and we're talking. This is probably about six months ago, and so now he owns. Uh, he bought a bunch of property in Colombia, in the country of Colombia, and he grows marijuana, but for CBD. He grows, uh, makes a, he owns a CBD company, okay. sells it all over the world, and he now. So he's ten years sober now, and he supports a whole. I don't know how many twenty thirty orphanages and he pays for everything for all these orphanage kids all over the country of Colombia, and that's what he does now so he lives in whistler and then he bought a house at zippers down in um in cabo, uh, cabo and he lives there too so he lives in canada Colombia, and in uh, 
Well, he, he had the mind, he had the wits, but he had the seating money tucked away in some dirt. Yeah. You know, like yeah. he, he looked at the next while in jail, he was fucking making money too. But, but yeah. yeah, smart I mean, guy. Yeah, incredible. smart guy. Like I said, when he if only we had seat. one little faction yeah. of that, we'd be fucking rich, bro. Killing it. Yeah, you know, he never got married, never had kids. So, He's got a few girlfriends. So you get him. you get married, you get out of the game, you got the the tire company that you yeah. know is doing well and like you know you're playing music like where where you know like how does like what happens from there like you you know okay so uh you know i i, I get away from doing all that and um you know but i'm still using drugs i'm still you know addicted to alcohol and uh and uh and coke in fact i so i'm 15 years sober now i finally got off drugs and alcohol Thank God, because I wouldn't be alive today. Mm-hmm. I overdosed in my home on uh, Xanax and alcohol and uh, and Coke back in 2003, and I got arrested for violent crime. So all these, I mean, it finally caught up to me, but yeah. I was been resourceful enough to recover from all that. And I opened up a, a residential detox uh, place called West Coast Detox. It was licensed by the state of California to help young people get off Oxycontin. And we did, oh God, we I worked with five or six different treatment centers and churches here in, uh, in, in Huntington Beach and just helped a lot of people. Still do to this day, I do interventions. And uh, so I myself have turned my life around. Yeah. I'm not a drug addict anymore. Well, before but, we go yeah. to sure. now, let, yeah. let, so, so you, you see Mark, he leaves. He does his thing with the hydroponics. Yeah. What is what does Don Pablo do? Well, so I'm I'm still uh, you know dialed in into the tire business, and of course we get we get pretty big. We, you know, my brother and I are doing anywhere. So can from, I ask you about that? Yeah. Okay. So the Saudi Arabian irrigation project yeah. that that was yeah. like 150k. Yeah. Yeah. That, that that was the first order. We did that. We ended up selling to four different irrigation companies that were selling sprinkler systems all over the world. And, um, and we, that, that was probably one of our main things we ended up selling. But while we're dealing in, in, in these reusable tires that they're putting on, uh, center pivot irrigation systems, we find other ways to recycle tires. Like we found a company that, that made industrial flooring with it. Um, I picked up the LA Unified school account. So, I, in fact, I still have that account. We pick up all their tires from, they got over 2,500 buses. buses. They're the second largest uh, school district in the United States. I still have that account. And uh, started working down in the Port of Los Angeles with the different shipping companies. I still do that. And um, my brother moved on. He ended up, uh, his wife got pretty sick and passed away about 20-some years ago. And when all that happened... Um, he decided to get 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 out of the tire business. I ended up buying him out of his portion of the tire business, and he moved to Coho uh, at the ranch and has a hundred acre property there and serves at Coho. So, and you know all the different spots at the ranch, Hollister Ranch. Yeah, and uh, you know I've just moved on, and my my kids and I have two two my daughters an RN at Hogue Hospital and my son Chad helps run the tire company today and got a couple grandkids but you know I I was been blessed to be able to cultivate that whole opportunity about the tire industry yeah 
for a long time, we were the main tire recyclers west of, west of the Mississippi. And, you know, I've been recognized in the county and the state for uh, being, you know, an innovator in the whole green notion that we can recycle things and make our planet cleaner and better as a result of recycling materials that we take for granted. Yeah. Tires have a lot of zinc in them, so I'm, we, I'm dealing with a, another portion in the industry now where we're doing a lot of press on tires for forklifts and that type of, uh, it's called a non-directional industry when you're driving forklifts and big types of machinery that they use in, uh, in, in industry and commercial and stuff like Which that. Which don't have air, right? Those those tires No, are those don't straight. have to air, yeah. and they don't have zinc in them. Yeah, just uh, rubber. Yeah, we're trying to eliminate zinc from tires because on the, on the roads, uh, even on your car, you have zinc because your tires wear down, and that dust is going somewhere, and every time it rains, it goes down into the drain ditches, and it goes into our ocean. You know, I know yeah. Seth... Uh, Seth Matson really well. Yeah, you know, nice. we talk a lot about yeah. it. He's pretty. Chase the ocean. Yes. Yeah. So, I, I know I keep bringing it up and asking about it, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's so interesting and fascinating that, you know, here you are, you and your brother were recycling tires, and this contract that this per that that other company couldn't fulfill, and then you were at the right place at the right time. We really were. And I- then, but then you, you know, you're like okay, we have this, right? Like this one company doing this. Mm-hmm. Time to scale up. Yeah, you're starting to think of like, okay, who else? Where else can we go with this? Okay, so right? so so this is what happened. The uh, Lindsay Manufacturing, the first company that sent us the PO for 150,000 tires or 10,000 tires at $15 a piece, and you, it was and one specific tires. It was $15 pure profit because you picked up all the tires for free. That is correct. Yeah. So, well, the only thing that we were out on was the gas and transportation, you know, transportation, transportation of yeah. it. But um, as time went on, there were other sizes of truck tires that we found companies that were making their irrigation systems with those sizes of tires. So there was like um, four specific tires. The original first tire was an 112.45 bias tire. Then we found a company that did nothing but 11225 bias tire. Then we found another company called uh, West Point uh, Irrigation Systems in West Point, Nebraska, and they did all 1020, a, a tube type uh, irrigation tire. So and then they kept... turned us on to a company in Canada that manufactured a 1022, which so is a tube type. You just kept looking like, you yeah. know, like. Okay, here's the circle. What else is around that circle, or whatever you know? Yeah. What's the next circle? Yeah. Ripple effect of, of yeah, this and that. The, so so that went on for a long time. We sold tires in the irrigation industry from the late '70s to probably uh, the late '90s, early 2000s, and then when NAFTA happened, when uh, Clinton signed the NAFTA deal, it opened up the market for uh, companies in China to start being competitive and not, you know, they would start bringing their products here at with low tariff and they started, you know, kind of competing into our markets and they stole the irrigation market from us. Oh, wow. Literally almost overnight. They, They started selling the spoke and the tire to the irrigation company way cheaper than we could we wow. could we, we could do it and so that that part of the industry died we 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 did it for a good uh, probably 22 23 years 
And uh, but by that time, we were already locked into so many other areas of recycling truck tires that, you know, we felt the the pinch of it. But we just you diversified all, yeah, all that energy that that we put into that. We just put it into this other stuff that we were doing. So yeah. we continue to do well for, awesome. for, for so, a really long time. I mean, what, a, what an early time to like get into a business where there's just that much opportunity too. you know, yeah. like. There's, no one was doing it. We yeah. were, we were. It's it's crazy because, uh, you know, here he is, coming off of of being a Vietnam vet, trying to figure out what to do. Yeah. Right. And yeah. then here you are. You stumble upon. It's almost like it was like a paper route, almost. You know, like or yeah. even like trash pickup. You're like yeah. a gar- You know. Yeah. For I lack was, of a better analogy, a garbage. I tell you some. I had a VW bus, and uh, I would surf in the morning. And then in the afternoon, I had my little route, you know, I yeah. go like uh, to like 10 different gas stations, go through maybe 30, 40 tires at each gas station, pull out about 15 to 20 tires that I knew I could make three to five bucks on. And I do that five, six days a week. Yeah. And that was enough to keep me going. I was selling a little weed on the side and uh, and just kind of making it happen, yeah. you know. To, and that's fucking hard work, right? Yeah, it, it is, but there's a lot of technique to it. But yeah, you're right. It's uh, yeah, I think it's not, my, yeah, my yeah. back it's is still sore from it. It's backbreaking. Backbreaking. <laughs> it's yeah. tough. Yeah, labor. Yeah, we used to ship. Uh, but one, what a niche, you know? What and, a fucking and, niche. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and no you know, one was you, doing it. You know, most people are like, "Hey, I'm going to go back to school and with your medical background and the and the and the dental, you know, yeah. you know, manufacturing of whatever, yeah, yeah. like operator. That could have been. You know, opened a lot of doors for you. Yeah, you know? it it, it but, could have, but this this made it so easy because you're your own boss. You're yeah, free. we were our own boss, and yeah. no one else was doing it. I, I wasn't there. There was very little competition yeah. for the first. This, this reminds me 10, of, 15 years. No competition. No, nobody was doing what my brother and I were doing. And it, it reminds me when you you were saying how you and your brother were sitting on the beach. Yes, and you had a. You know, we had this jacket jacket because it was pouring rain. We both looked at each other. We both go, man, we're going to be red. (laughs) (laughs) Like we, 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 you know, it's almost like we pinch me because it's just real. Yeah, that's that's I mean, looking back at that day, you know, you guys must have been like, what the fuck did we just stumble upon? But but just just the connections after that's on your like so-called resume or your business like plan and like, hey, you know, we're ecology tires or recycling and and this is what we do and these are you know like that opens up so much doors once you get one of those big deals you yeah know? like yeah it legitimizes it, it, you it, and, and we were always like um dang that's helping like, you know my brother and i were always donating different things the city was big on uh, you know just just helping youth groups and things like that and we did that for a while i was into coaching soccer and basketball and hockey and uh I was nation chief for West, West County YMCA uh, Indian Guide program for That's about awesome. three years, and just you know I was able to do a lot of good stuff because I was my own boss and yeah. I could so, take the time out to. So to what did be you do? What was your first surf trip after the the first big score like that? Oh uh, gosh, well we went to Petacalco together one time, but um, <laughs> I pr- probably surfing. I went to uh, I'd never been to Hawaii, and I went to. Uh, uh, Maui and surfed um, Honolulu Bay. Mm. And um, oh, yeah, because from what I understand now, Honolulu Bay doesn't really break all that. I mean, it, it breaks, but for you know, 
Dolly do to get down there and to be able to surf it without it being, you know, it's very territorial. Yeah. And um, never even had, I didn't know how to get down the cliff, but you just watch other guys hold the big, uh, you know, there's this lawn that grows out of the side of the hill and there's steps in the dirt, but you, you know, you're, you're carrying your board and you, you're going down there and then I surfed some of the best surf ever. I remember that, still remember that day. That's and then getting out of the water, climbing up the hill, and sitting there with my uh, my uh, wife, and we're, I'm just looking at the surf going, oh, my God, look how freaking good it is here. Great Such spot. A, yeah, what a dream. Yeah. Did, did you ever go to, like, the Mentawise or Indonesia? You know, you know, I never did. I maybe, Once I started surfing Kauai, I never went back. I started hanging around the Smith Brothers and New Titus Kinimaka, and that, that whole scene went to... Uh, Titus's older brother, Percy Kinimaka's paddle out, which was the most unbelievable thing. It was, like, it was just unreal. It was in uh, Kalapaki Beach in this bay called Nawili Willy Bay. And it was full-on Hawaiian tradition paddle out. And Percy was one of the first uh, uh, beach boys with Duke Hanamoko. Mm. And um, we're all at that paddle out, and I'm with my buddy Jim Hanna, who was born and raised there and moved to Huntington Beach. We were friends in high school, and he told me, yeah, we need, we should go to Kauai and go to Percy's Paddle. I go, dude, let's go. So we go there, and it's it's full on. They got his ashes in there in an outrigger, and Titus Kinimaka's in the front, you know, with his full Hawaiian king. I mean, just yeah, un unreal. But it's flat. It's like one to two feet, and they got a paddle about a half a mile out to where they want to drop the ashes. So we're paddling out and everybody's getting out there. We And we get out there and everybody starts throwing the water up and they dump his ashes. Just then a perfect set, like a set with about six waves come. It's about three to four feet, maybe one to two foot Hawaiian, but you know, four feet to me. Yeah, And perfect, wave. like insane. And everybody catches waves coming back in. Party wave. Right. It was. It was. It was crazy. unreal. And it was like one of those things. Like I. And even when I've gone back to Kauai, because I've gone there many times, well, I always love to go and sit there. They have a Dukes right there, and sit there and just kind of reminisce on that just total Hawaiian experience. It was so memorable. Yeah, time. you're in the roots. You know. Yeah. Seeing something that special. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And if you know who Titus Kinimaki is, yeah. he's he's, he's actually yeah he's an elite. He really is. His family and. And um, I'll tell you a funny story. So I have my VW bus, and I'm down at, um, oh, at, uh, I think it's the Jack's Pro. And Titus's daughter, um, Miley, is, um, is in the contest, and he's in town, and I don't, I don't see him, but, uh, but Bud Lamas calls, hey, Titus Kinimaka's in town. I go, dude, I know Titus Kinimaka. And so I, Bud, I tell Bud, let's go let's go find him so we get my vw bus and he's walking in the parking lot by dukes we pull over and go hey titus so i get out of the car and i'm showing llamas and titus comes over and llamas thinks he's come over to hug him and he comes over and, hug me. and i go all right Eat it, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're not the only cool yeah, yeah exactly but hey, yeah no he's not here for bud yeah he's here for pablo yeah <laughs> But that's that's a that's that's a true story. And to get to know the Smith brothers, who are really close, they helped Dukes that whole company, uh, TS, when they bought um, Kiyoki's 
in uh, in Poipu and started that restaurant, and and Brett Barnes was the manager of it then. Yeah. They were trying to fit into the local community, and the Smith brothers started hanging out there. And when they did, they're so well known. They, they I don't know if you know who the Smith family is, mm-hmm. but they own large amounts of property all over Hawaii. They're just this iconic family. You would think Smith, but they're they're a Hawaiian family. And they're very well known, and they're considered uh, elites in their own right. But um, uh, they started hanging out there, and immediately Kiyoki's became the hangout spot, and really pushed them over the edge. For so TS could start Dukes and some of the other restaurants yeah. that they own. Yeah, yeah. spread the and aloha. That, yeah, the, uh, across. Yeah. you know, outside of Hawaii. Yeah, and and, yeah. and, and, and I so uh, Mike Smith has come here a couple times, and. Um, I was telling Brett Barnes, because I'm on the board of directors for the Surf Museum, and we're at some event, and, and we're talking about Kauai, and goes, I love Kauai, and, and I go, yeah, do you know the Smith Brothers? He looks at me and goes, you know the Smith Brothers? And I go, hell yeah, Mike and Kurt Smith know them very well. So one day, Mike, Kurt, this is just like a year or two ago, Mike Smith comes to town. Uh, he's in this band called Kai Roots, and they're touring here. And uh, he, he, he hits me up and goes, Don, I'm going to be in Huntington Beach. I go, dude, let's go over and see Brett Barnes. So I take him over and show Brett Barnes, and we're sitting down there having a drink. And I'm not drinking, but we're sitting at his bar. And uh, Brett comes over, dude, you do know uh, Mike Smith, you know, because he's he, yeah, in his him. own right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. So, I, you know, like I said. So, such a small world went to, you know, like. Yeah. I mean, I surfed. I surfed. Uh, I took my wife to San Blas. We showed her where I lived. We surfed Monachin Bay uh, a few years back, and I've gone to um, oh um, Puerto Vallarta and surfed that point there. Um, Punamita. Yeah, Punamita. And um, I need to make it there. I oh yeah, P- yes. Yeah, it's all there. private now. I mean, when you take a ponga boat, but the waves such a good wave, and then. Um, but, you know, surfed all over Baja in the late 60s and 70s. And I really haven't surfed Baja since I helped a church group. We built a church in Rosarito Beach about 15 years ago. But that's really all I've done. And mainly just now, you know, I've surfed the ranch a few times with my brothers, almost drowned there about <laughs> three years ago on a 12-foot, huge 10 to 12-foot set. Had no business being out there. I was at Big Drake's, and it was perfect, six to eight feet, and I'm... You know, I was catching good waves, and yeah. uh, Dave Reynolds, I don't know if you know Dave Reynolds is, is the trophy guy that makes all the trophies oh, for uh, yeah. the ranch and all that. He's a good friend of mine. So him and my brother are kind of off a little south of where the main takeoff spot is, and I go right over the main takeoff spot, I'm like, fuck, I'm just going to go out. And so I catch this, really, I catch this bomb wave, and I kick out, and they're going, yeah, that's all right. And I go paddle out to go to another one, and unbeknownst to me, an out, uh, uh, like a, a big set. Yeah, a big set comes. And I get caught inside, and that set is 10 to 12 foot set, like four waves, right? Kicked my ass, thought I was going to drown, praying to the Lord, I'm too old, I don't want to die like this. <laughs> and and Dave gets, Dave paddles in, he's trying to direct me through the rocks, you know, he's probably, you know, just watching me to see what what, what happens. And I made it in, and then that was the last time I surfed the ranch, which is... <laughs> 
I, and, and that was, uh, see, I'm 69. That happened three years ago. I was 66 when that Yeah, happened. you're still out there. L- yeah. Lennon says that all the time. Dear Lord, don't let me, don't let me drown in this three to four foot wave. Show's not about Lennon. Hey, don't let me. They, hey, there's a big five foot wave that came in. So, so, so did, I, I want to talk about the yeah. ranch. You said your brother has a, like, a big parcel, 100 yeah, acres. Yeah, he has 100 acres right, right out in front of Coho. And, and that's just from, like, killing it back in the... Well, so, you know, he's a smart businessman, invested some money in Hawaii and uh, sold that property. And then, ironically, my next door neighbor that lives next door to me now, his brother owned that parcel and he was selling it. And my brother was looking for a parcel with a couple of his, him and a couple of his friends. That parcel came up and ironically, it was my neighbor's brother's, but he ended up buying the parcel and then bought the rights to build a house and he bought a 4,800 square foot single home built right there, overlooking the spot. It, it takes him 20 minutes to get to the water. Yeah, but, to, yeah, but he's got a little, uh, you know. Of heaven over there. Oh, yeah. He's got one of those little. Would you say he's got boats. 100 acres? Yeah, it's 100 acres. <laughs> yeah. Outrageous. Oh, yeah. Like one acre right now is going for like. Yeah, I don't know what it's going for. The property's worth a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. But. Uh, so what other. What are the. Business ventures have you have you done if you don't well, mind us asking? Well, so I, I got into the recovery business and started, oh, yeah, right. uh, I started West Coast Detox, still doing West Coast that? Treatment Center. Um, I I had a biz, I had uh, I owned Beach City Treatment over on Eleventh Street, and um, because of the way the insurance is working nowadays and what it costs for us to keep a doctor on staff and actual medical personnel, we weren't just hiring uh, people that are going to drug rehab counseling we were actually hiring doctors and nurses that worked for us and it 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 gave us the opportunity to work with hogue hospital and uh fountain valley hospital all their different drug um uh departments so that we were able to do residential treatment for people who couldn't afford a hospital setting and i mean we just closed that down it's been about a year and I, I haven't been back in it since, although, like I said, I'm, I still do interventions. I did a bunch for Sumo, you know, Pastor yeah. Sumo. Yeah. yeah, I helped him with a lot of his uh, uh, friends and family at, 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 at the church that were struggling with drugs and alcohol. And I've been able to, and I'm not bragging, it's just been no, the but, opportunity yeah. to get out there. And to make a difference in someone's life is better than any. But I mean, to take and save one person, right? That's oh, yeah. it. And, yeah. And, to, and that's what. But to tell your story and like, I've been there and, you know, yeah. there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel and it's not going to be Dude, easy. If I can but, get sober, but, you can get sober. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. not not to open up an old wound, but you said mm-hmm. 15 years ago is when you. Yeah, 15 violated. years ago, what happened? I committed a violent crime and it was uh, uh, the district attorney filed a felony battery which carried with it one strike and i was could it was i mean they were they were going to give me a year in state prison for it and i hired an attorney of course attorney got it knocked down to 90 days in county jail with three years formal probation and a three-year restraining 90 days 72 out of the 90 days wow and during that time oh god it was brutal i hated it but um uh, after I was signed my my bed, this bunk that I was in this bay, there was a like a each each bay has like the you know the tough guy, and this guy happened to be a Christian. His name was Big Tony, and he had a Bible and a big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, 
And he said, you know what, Don, if you hang out with me every day, I'll make sure these gang members leave you alone. But you got to read the Bible and the big book with me every day. And I said, no problem, let's do it. And that's how my whole uh, road or path to recovery started with this guy helping me. And then when I that's got amazing. out, fell into a men's group, a Christian men's group called the Creepers. Uh, <laughs> and so if you, that's a funny yeah, name. It's, yeah, but if you look Christian up the creepers. word... If you look up the word creeper in the dictionary, it's defined as moving forward at a slow, steady pace. Oh, and um, I like and, that. Yeah, and so I got sober with those guys, and then. But you didn't answer my question. What did people. you do? Oh well, I. What was I, your violent crime? I I beat I beat somebody up, and after I beat him up, I kicked him in the head Ooh. while they were on the ground. Ooh. And I was in a blackout. I wasn't. I was completely out of it when I did it. I didn't even know I did it, to be honest with you. But that's what happened. Were you at a and bar? Was it like a? No, I, it happened in my home. Holy shit! And so I had to, uh, you know, I got arrested. And it was it was a scene, but yeah. you know, it's probably the best thing that ever happened to me because I would, I'll guarantee you, I I, I would be dead. Yeah, I, I would not have outlived that. Well, you had seventy two days of mandatory soberness. Yeah, and you had Big Tony to, or yeah. Big T or what'd you say, Big Tony? Yeah, Big Tony. They Big Tony me. to keep you in check. I mean, what a blessing to have. Yeah, it somebody just was. Like, that to look over you. Yeah, and so and so I still go to AA down at Tower Eleven. Um, yeah, you know we have a meeting right yeah. where you surf a lot. Yeah, and uh, I go to that meeting maybe five days a week and always it's trying a to reach spot. out and help. Oh, the, uh, it's the, a the, secret the, spot. The chairs right by the bike. Yes, the big old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's a yeah. secret yeah. spot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I go down there. You know, a lot of anonymity. I'm not going to tell you who's down there, but yeah. you know, it, we're just all there trying to help each other. And a lot of people have the same story as me. You know, they got in trouble from. Yeah. Drinking too much and you know, lucky Can't just lucky to be couple, alive. Couple days a week. <laughs> <laughs> just lucky to be alive. Um, no, for sure. I mean, the, the the fact that you know you actually served time, and it wasn't because of all the drug dealing or any of this. It was you know from being on dr- or you yeah. know drunk and it's just you're going down a bad path and yeah you know the way. You know, you that was uh, the best part of the conversation when I talked to Mark McFarlane, uh, you know, six, I talked to him again three months ago because I'm driving around. I don't know if you guys know, um, oh, uh, Bowie. Bowie? Yeah, you know Eric Bauer? Bowie? No. Think so. yeah, he, knew, he knew Mark McFarlane. We were in the car talking and uh, Mark was just saying how much life is better as two because he's sober nowadays and he's. You know, he's done very well and helps a lot of people with the finances that he's been able to put together. So he's, I don't know. That's yeah. cool. That, that's... Because you can't take that's it with the upside. you. You can't take it with you. And most people don't don't survive that, that type of lifestyle. If yeah. I look at all the people I know that have passed yeah. and close friends, and I'm sure you guys too. I mean, yeah. all, well, look what we're doing next week, right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, it's just... It is. It is. It is. I'm grateful I survived. I'm grateful, you know, I'm still in fairly good shape that I can paddle out. I can catch waves. Um, you know, it's just fun that, that yeah. uh, you know, surfing has been able to remain with me through all the, 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 the hardships and good times. Surfing's still been right, right at the forefront of that's been your outlet and your saving grace yeah. for sure. Yeah. What, what like what about you've been playing music the whole time? Oh yeah, I've been playing music and lucky enough to play some pretty outstanding gigs and we're we're going to be playing here in a couple of weeks. But we're looking forward to open up for uh, at um, the city's allowing 
uh, a large venue this year, finally, during the U.S. Open, the third week in September. They're going to have a big venue, uh, eight to 10,000 people, live music on the beach. They're going to keep it there. We're going to have it for the air show, and then our band's opening up for some big act on that. Cool. On that particular our show, we're playing September. The Ramsey Brothers. Oh, yeah. We're playing September 11th for uh, the Surf City Marathon. It's the 20th anniversary of the bombings, and we're doing a thing called uh, Tunnels to Towers uh, Foundation. Yeah, Tunnels to Towers. Yeah, and I we're see, playing I see that commercial all the time. Uh, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, we're doing that concert for on, on the beach on that day. And, and, you know, we're playing around town, playing at Sea Salt in two weeks. Um you know, we'll be doing the Taste of Huntington Beach. Uh, we've been asked to play at a couple of different gigs. I played the last two Mare Balls, and we played at the um, uh, Junior Olympics. Had a big fundraiser here at the Paseo Hotel a couple of years ago, and our band played for that. It was a pretty good gig. And, yeah. You know, I mean... It's got to be it, such a trip for you to look back at, on what your life was like, and then now, you know, because it was... Yeah. You were li living a... A crazy seedy life. Yes. Not really hurting anybody. Yeah. But you know, I was. You were on the road. I was on a tightrope. Yeah. yeah. And and you know, for that like, kind of <clears throat> bad thing to happen that happened, yeah. and then you realize, fuck, man, I gotta change my ways. Yeah, things had to change, and and I, now you are really paying back. Yeah. To. Oh yeah. To you know the community and. Like, yeah, you, you know, you, life you, in the fast lane to, you know, life, like a good grounded yeah, life and, yeah. and, and having roots. Like you never left Huntington and you're giving back to the yeah. community. And we, we played the USO Open when the last US Open, we didn't have it last year, but we were the closing band right after the finals for the Open. And just to be able to be up there and just the crowd, you know, it was a pack, you know, thousands of people. And it was yeah. just in in the back of my mind, I thought, you know, I almost missed this. Yeah. I yeah. almost did not get to do this type of stuff because yeah. of the other life that I lived. But, uh, you need to write a fucking story, a book. <clears throat> you got to have somebody write a, the Don Pablo Ramsey book. <laughs> So interesting. And then you're on the board at the Surf Museum. Yeah, I'm on the board of directors there. Yeah. I'm on the board of directors for the Huntington Beach Board Rider Club. I'm yeah, the event you, director. You were for responsible for getting us the nonprofit status. Right? I, I helped all with that. Yeah. Yes, and then um, I'm on the I'm the event director for International Surfboard Builders Hall of Fame, which we're going to have our 20th first annual this year. And wait to see who's coming to town. We're going to have a Unbelievable! What is it? Group. It's the uh, International, International Surfboard International Surfboard Builders Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, I mean we've inducted just about every great shaper you can ever think of, and this year we're going to induct seven more great shapers. Sick. Yeah, they come to town. True. Uh, true. Yeah. You know, craftsmen. You oh, know, like guys that have dude, changed Dick, the way Dick surfing Brewer, has we been. Dick Brewer and oh, uh, epic. Uh, when when and where is this? Uh, this is going to be October 9th on the Pier Plaza. Uh, we're going to induct. I'll tell you who's going to be in town. Mark Richards is going to be in town. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, oh, wait. So yeah, you're going to help us line up all the podcasts, right? We Can could, we yes. Yeah, right. I'd, I'd love to. You heard it here, people. Yeah. October? October 9th. October Don Pablo yeah. can't be lying because <laughs> yeah. he'll go to hell if he's lying <laughs> to a late 9th. night with Chalky. <laughs> yeah, I do that. And then I'm, I'm one of the founders for California Surfing Day, which is September... 20th 
um, we haven't really had the opportunity to celebrate like we have uh, after it. Uh, in 2018, I went with 14 or 13 other people up to the state um, uh, Senate, and we were voted in unanimously by the California State Senate and the State Assembly to legally confirm that September 20th is California Surfing Day. And so the plan is to start inducting groups that use surfing for humanitarian reasons, like Epic. a walk on water and Maliola yeah. and Operation Surf, and start putting plaques down on 5th Street in front of the Shorebrook Hotel. And I've already worked with the owner That's on that. And, cool. Yeah, right there by Rip Curl. Yeah, That's I mean, all these organizations from... do great jobs within themselves. Oh, but yes. to, to celebrate yeah. Yeah. all of them, you yes. know, because they're all trying to do, and they're not trying to out-compete each other. No. They're like, hey, this is our niche, and we're trying to help... Totally. You know, hey, could you move There's it up to of... September second? Because that's my birthday. No, we can't. It's, <laughs> and, it's already been dialed in. Hey, September second would be special. Okay. You're special. <laughs> well, I'll talk. About he, he turns like seventy-two, sixty-nine, <laughs> sixty-nine, just like that, Bobby. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've been blessed to just be able to part of that when we did the surfing circle of honor. I helped put that whole thing together. And what was the surfing circle of honor? When we had fifty-five hundred and eleven. Persons uh, went out and on uh, International Surfing Day in 2017. We had the big paddle out on the north side of the pier. Yeah. Is that when they did the big boat, uh, big surfboard? Yeah. Oh no, no, no. that was the, that no, was uh, International Surfing Day oh. on 2015. Mm. But on uh, California Surfing Day in 2023, we're taking the big board out and we're going to do it again one more time. We're going to break awesome. the record of 66 people on the big board. Dang. That's already in the works with awesome. Visit Huntington Beach. So. It's all good things, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I had no idea you were that involved with so many things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm still gives, gives us something to like, you know, kind of aspire to. Aspire to it. You, you just, you know, you, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure you got a spot on the on the uh, big board when we take the big board. Hopefully, no, the just, surf will be bigger. Right? I love, I love that. You know, we have surfers like you, locals like you, that, you know contribute you, you you're a wealthy man right i've done pretty you, well you've done well and instead of just like living a good life and not sharing yeah you're, you're sharing and really having a, a richer life in, in return yeah. oh yeah and it's oh, yeah. it's awesome to hear that so like you're inspiring us to like think of you know for me i'm like what what can we do like in the future you know yeah. to help well, you guys already are. I mean, you're doing this, and this is something because this is on record. This is something, you, it's like it's in uh, cyberspace. Isn't yeah. it in cyberspace yeah. now? I mean, for no, sure. Where's it going to go? I mean, it's going to be some some kid 40 years from now going, hey, wait, listen to this one, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, and, and, it, and it is, and it's great. And, you know, again, one of the compliments we got with, with Casey's passing was, you know, I'm so glad you were able to interview him and get his story before. Yeah. You know? And and of course that's you know, it's it's not what you want to think about. But yeah, I mean it's just super fortunate that, you know, we're able to yeah. you know, his, get these stories. His words and voice lives on forever. Uh, yeah. On our I'll podcast tell you, and sitting down with him, not to interrupt, but yeah. So I helped do the sound for after we did the Operation Surf, we we, we had the after party at the Paseo Hotel. So Casey's calling me on the phone and goes, yeah, I want you to do the sound. I'm going to do the DJ. You do the sound. I go, great. Let's let's meet over there. So I, I meet over there, you know, and you know how he dresses, right? Yeah. And, and he, I'm he just, just turned his hat sideways, people. Yeah. 
And, uh, and, I go, and all, right all of a sudden, he looked like Casey. Yeah. I go, I go, right on. Let's do this. And so we're sitting down. And he's pumping out. You know, he's he got really good taste for music. And yeah. he just how the how the room's going, right? Yeah. And uh, we're sitting back, and dude, I I literally almost peed my pants. <laughs> Listen to him, you know, make remarks on you know some of the chants and yeah. these people, and just this uh, group over here, and the way uh, yeah, he kind of yeah. like would just—he's a wordsmith. God, yeah. he was good. <laughs> so he's a good. Laugh. He was a great people person, and he just loved people. He on, did, and, the, and the, he was good at it. Yeah, just funny guy. Uh, I so miss him. You, you've kind of. Um, promoted some of the things that uh you're going to be doing in the future is there anything mm -hmm. else you want to mention don you know, pablo no i just uh you know like i said i'm grateful to be alive i was at sugar shack this morning with with uh oh god matt taylor and his dad john taylor who i've known john taylor for a long time and you know mark heller sitting over there with a couple of other guys i know and me and butter sitting there and rudy is uh serving us and um and um, uh, Ryan Turner's walking around. And the whole conversation around the whole room is, in fact, uh, Ralphie's there, too. I don't you know if you know who Ralph is. Yeah. And we're all just sitting, and we're all thinking about the Casey Week paddle out. And we're all it's just kind of awesome, throwing man. little comments about what a big uh, celebration of life that's going to be for someone who is really special in our surfing community, yeah. for sure. For sure. Yeah. 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 We'll forever it's have him in our hearts and minds. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anyway th thank you for having me on. No, I'm so, Pablo. Very, very and, glad you Anytime you have something cool coming on, we'd love to promote it on yeah, okay. through our avenues. Okay. Yeah. Use yeah, our your next gig. Yeah. You know, or if you need up. fundraising stuff, like let us know. Okay. We'll help out. All right. That'll be very our good. contribution to what you're doing. But, you know, I'm stoked that that one day in front of. Bud Lamas's shop, 17th Street. Yeah, we talked. Last year, yeah. we, we talked about and I was just like overwhelmed on the little bit that you were telling me. And I was just mind blown. And I told yeah. uh, Lar. He's all, we got to get done. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like Don Ramsey, dude. Yeah. He's going to blow our minds, and yeah. he yeah. definitely didn't disappoint. And I'm glad we got episode two. And because, you know... Obviously, the celebration of your life, but what you're still doing and, and where you came, and, the, and it's a happy ending. You yeah. Know? And, and, like, you know, yeah. that's what we love to share. You yeah. know, yeah. like, we love, hey, no matter where you're at or what you're doing, there's always room for improvement and yeah. help others yeah. and inspiration. Inspiration. Yeah, learn yeah. from your mistakes. Really. That's it. We're yeah. not perfect. Yeah, we're, exactly. we're all sinners. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Peace. Don right. Ramsey. Thank you. Okay, thank Don you. Pablo Ramsey. Yeah. Gracias. <laughs> Peace. WaveKey was created by Brad Gerlach to help improve your surfing. WaveKey is a land-based systematic surf training method. For all surfers, for all levels. Check out WaveKey.com. That's W-A-V-E-K-I.com. Pada Sushi, a new sushi place here at the Albertsons in Newland Center. Your go-to spot for grab-and-go sushi, handmade, fresh daily. You can get all your favorites or get something custom. And make sure to stop by on Fridays for the $5 special. Pada Sushi. At Albertsons in the Newland Center off of Beach and Adams. Wax. The wax that's found under all of the best surfers on the planet. You mean late night? Always under my feet. And Chalky. How do you think I pull those big airs? And layback Lars. And those laybacks. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. we're not doing the 90s again, are we? I don't do those anymore. 
Foo Wax, the best wax in the game. Foo Wax. Caliente Southwest Grill. Healthy Mexican food featuring local organic ingredients. They also have great salads, vegetarian and gluten-free options. Wow. Yep. Don't they also cater and make party packs? They do. They have all your needs for all your events. Nice. Visit calientesouthwest.com. Or go to the restaurant in Costa Mesa off of 17th Street. Caliente Southwest. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music. 